from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Martin Kerr on February 18, 2017. Martin is a singer-songwriter that has produced a number of albums, which you can find on his website, martinkerrmusic.com. We feature six songs from his various albums in the interview. I started the interview by asking Martin where he grew up, and what was it like growing up there. I grew up in a small town in England. The town is called Oakham. It's an old market town in the countryside, about 10,000 people. We were one of maybe three or four Baha'i families living in that area. So it was a very small community to grow up in. Looking back, it was a, a great place to grow up. But at the time, we always complained of there being nothing to do. <laughs> in fact, that we, we were always doing something. There's a lot of playing outside in the woods and going on long bike rides. And it was nice to, to grow up with the same circle of friends from kindergarten right through high school. You implied that you were raised as a Baha'i? Yes, that's right. My parents became Baha'is shortly before I was born. They're actually both Scottish and they moved down to England so my father could work for the Baha'i Publishing Trust, which is an international charity translating, publishing and distributing Baha'i literature all around the world. You know, one of the tenets of the Baha'i faith is the independent investigation of truth. And children are not necessarily expected to just assume the religion of their parents, but to investigate reality for themselves. When would you say that you took the Baha'i faith on as your own faith, rather than just following in the footsteps of your parents? Well, I would say I had some transformative experiences as a youth. Obviously, my parents did raise me as a Baha'i in the sense that I was raised in a Baha'i household and we said prayers together. Um, I was expected to uphold the standards of behavior expected of a Baha'i child. But more to the point, they involved me in the community at large and took me to summer schools and youth conferences and all kinds of national and even international Baha'i gatherings. So from an early age, I grew up with a sense of being part of a worldwide movement rather than just the local community, because as I mentioned, the local community I grew up in was very small, just nine or 10 people, most of them fairly old. <laughs> and if that was my only experience, I would think that the Baha'i faith was all about sitting around drinking tea and talking quietly. But going to these big international conferences really gave me a sense of excitement and perspective, global perspective about being a Baha'i. And I would say the time that I really took it on for myself was right after I finished high school, my dad was worried that I wasn't going to study for my exams. So he uh, bribed me to study by uh, buying me a round-the-world ticket. And he said, if I got straight A's, then he would pay the cost and I could go right after exams. And if I got any B's or less, then I would have to stay home and get a job and work off the money before I was allowed to go. So that was a good motivation for me to study. And then I went on this round-the-world trip. And in each place, I stayed with Baha'i families. 
that experience of staying with Baha'is all around the world in China, in New Zealand, in Samoa, in various places in the States, just got me so excited and proud about being part of this Baha'i community and being on my own traveling around the world by myself as an 18 year old with just a couple hundred bucks in my pocket really taught me some reliance on God as well. And it was then that I started delving into the writings for myself in a deeper way and using prayer and meditation as things to get me through the day. So I felt like that year of traveling was very transformative for me. And particularly, um, there was one funny story. When I was traveling in the States, I had an invitation from a girl in Canada to come up to this Baha'i conference in Montreal. I was gonna come visit her and go to this conference. But the day before I was due to go to Canada, I put my passport through the washing machine. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I couldn't leave the States. I was stuck in the States until I could get a, an emergency passport from the British Embassy in Chicago. So I ended up going to this other conference in Milwaukee, just up the road. Some Baha'i friends offered me a ride to Milwaukee. It was called the Kingdom Conference in 2001. And this was the biggest Baha'i event I'd ever seen. It was in the, the basketball stadium in Milwaukee. So it must have been 15,000 Baha'is gathered in one room and the quality of the music and the inspirational talks that were given and just the radiance of the friends that I met there from all over the country and all over the world. It was so confirming and inspiring to want to be part of that community and for me to aspire to be like these people that I was meeting and to fulfill some of these noble goals and high aims that were being spoken about at the conference. So how long was this around-the-world trip? I spent a year traveling, but a lot of that time was spent in China. That was my first stop, and it's such a huge country of very diverse cultures, actually, many languages and cultures within China. So I got the opportunity to, to do some backpacking with my friends and to spend some time teaching English and even touring with a band. So I got to see different corners of China and spend a lot of time there. After I finished my round-the-world ticket, I ended up going back to China to settle there for a couple of years and, and study Chinese. So when did music start becoming something that was a part of you when you were young? When did that happen? It's always been a part of my life. I think I was probably singing before I could talk. <laughs> mm. And I think actually most babies are like that, but Perhaps some of them have more of an inclination that way or receive more encouragement. But for whatever reason, I've always been singing. Perhaps I was blessed to grow up in a household that didn't tell me to be quiet very often <laughs> and encouraged me to sing. And then at school, I got lots of opportunities as well, from being in school plays to choirs. And uh, I went to a primary school where we sang together every day. That's something that there's far too little of in Western society at the moment, I think. But it's a very natural part of of social life and human development. I, most of the third world countries, as they used to be called, that uh, I visited on my travels, people haven't forgotten how to sing and how to dance. It's a very natural part of every day. The place I noticed it the most was in Samoa. Every day you would see people singing and dancing together. And not just, not just singing, but beautiful four-part harmony singing that somebody would strike up a song and everybody would join in. And these people have never had formal music lessons or expensive instruments, but it's a part of their, their tradition and their culture that's been kept up. So I think we, we've lost that quite a lot in Western society by focusing more on mass media and listening to 
manufactured music rather than making it ourselves, which is a bit of a shame. And when did you start performing as a musician? I think my first kind of formal performance was probably when I was five years old. I had the lead role in a school musical play like the, for the school Christmas concert. It was called Snow Robin. <laughs> and I, I still remember all the songs. That kind of musical theater stuff and choral stuff I kept doing until I was about 13. And then I began picking up the guitar. I'd had lots of music lessons in different instruments, but none of them ever grabbed me like the guitar did. I think because I didn't like the lessons. I didn't like learning scales and classical pieces. I wanted to sing songs. And the guitar lets you do that just by strumming a few chords. Not only can you sing your favorite songs, but you can also begin to write your own. That's what I began doing as a 13-year-old, hopelessly in love with a girl that was way out of my league, as is usually the case for people getting started songwriting, I think. you know, Because if you get the girl, then you end up having fun with them instead of sitting alone in your room with your guitar writing sad songs. <laughs> right. I'm glad that it didn't work out. But part of my inspiration, I think, was having been to a lot of Baha'i summer schools and arts camps. And I'd always grown up seeing other Baha'i youth singing and playing music, both devotional music and original songs. And sitting around the campfire or in a devotional gathering, I wanted to do that too. I saw how beautiful it was and how it lit up people's hearts and their eyes. And I wanted to be able to do that for people too. So that was a big part of my motivation in, in learning the guitar and writing my own songs. And you started writing your own songs when you were in high school? Yeah, at age 13. I actually performed an original song for the first time at a school talent show. I was the only person doing an original piece of work. Um, and it went down pretty well. I still sing the song sometimes. Unfortunately, I finished third in the talent show behind uh, a group of teachers who dressed up as the Spice Girls mm -hmm. and the girl who played My Heart Will Go On on the recorder. So <laughs> I'm still a little bit bitter about that judging decision. When did you do your first recording? That same year, I started recording an album because we had a Baha'i friend called Martin Newman, who's a wonderful songwriter. He was kind of between places to live, and he ended up staying with us for a few months. Kind of in exchange for room and board, he was giving me guitar lessons and, and writing songs with me. So we ended up making an album together, which was mostly his songs, but a couple that we'd collaborated on and that one original one that I'd just written. And we released that and did some shows together and started a band. So I had that opportunity to learn from a real pro, someone with a lot of experience and, and also who was grounded in the writings and who was able to put Baha'i concepts and ideals into everyday language. And that's something that I try to do with my writing as well, is to convey those eternal truths in words that people of all backgrounds can understand. And when did you produce your first solo album? In 2001, 2002. This is when I was living in China, I spent a little while studying Chinese, and then I got a job as a preschool teacher with some friends of mine that had started their own kindergarten. It was a Montessori preschool, and they brought me on as a teacher, even though I didn't have any training or experience, and I was only 19. So it actually didn't work out very well. They ended up having to hire somebody else, and I became the music teacher. But it was during that year that I spent a few trips down to Hong Kong and recorded in a bedroom studio with a friend called Paul Meredith. 
and uh, made my first album, which is called Just Another Man. And those are a lot of songs about growing up, songs about traveling, songs about finding my faith, finding my purpose. A few heartbreaking love songs thrown in for good measure. So I had asked you to pick six selections to yes. feature on the uh, interview program. Now, these six selections, are they all from the same album? No, no. They're trying to give you a little bit of a, a taste of the different things that I've been doing. So maybe as we go through these, you can explain at what stage in your musical career you created the song. Sure. Which one are we starting with, Warren? Let's, let's start with the update. Okay. So tell me what inspired you to write the song and what people should listen for when they hear the song. Okay. So this is a relatively new song. I just released it last year as a single, and it's going to be on my upcoming album, which is coming out at the end of May. What's the album called? Uh, I think the album's going to be called Not In Stores, because that's how I built my music career, really, is selling CDs out of my guitar case and off the stage at my gigs, because music stores are not really what they used to be. <laughs> uh, and also, it, there's a few rallies and rants against consumerism in that album as well. So, And the update is a song that I wrote at a time when I was feeling quite low and quite lost. I'm going to be turning 35 this year. Goodness me, that's scary. What an old man. Uh, I am. And in the music industry, that is starting to get old. I have three young kids at home. So it's been a whirlwind few years surrounded by screaming and diapers and laughter and puzzles. And somewhere along the way, some of those big dreams that I had as a youth of having a great impact on the world and achieving all my potential, sometimes it feels like those dreams have been put on the back burner for a while. So this was a song about um, just letting that out and hoping against hope that somehow I can still find the inspiration and the determination and the support to, to strive towards those dreams again. As I've been playing this song, it seems to resonate with a lot of people that have felt the same thing at whatever stage of life they're in. And it talks a little bit about all of the distractions that we're bombarded with from our, our electronic devices, particularly, that often distract us from uh, our true purpose. So this is called The Update. Computer wants to update a program I always click on try again tomorrow Cause that's not what I need The garden wants a weeding The summer's almost over I haven't got around to planting the seeds What have I been waiting for all this time? What am I complaining for? The fault's on mine I could cross that bridge if someone else would pay the toll But won't somebody send an update to my soul? My phone in wants to update the system But I don't really trust it It usually ends up slower than before The politicians never stop campaigning one day we're gonna bust them We're capable of so much more What have I been waiting for all this time? What am I complaining for? The fault's on mine I 
I'm sitting here just waiting for my youth to come again. I'll stop procrastinating, but don't ask me when. I could cross that bridge if someone else would pay the toll. But won't somebody send an update to my soul? I wanna feel you love me more than ever. I know I don't deserve it. I'm not the man I was back then. Skinnier and brighter and more hopeful. Is that the way you want me? I'm not sure if I can be that again. What have I been waiting for all this time? What am I complaining for? The faults on my Sitting here just waiting for my youth to come again. I'll stop procrastinating. Don't ask me when. I could cross that bridge if someone else would pay the toll. But won't somebody send an update to my soul? Should you ever lose your sense of wonder, walk out to the ocean and sing out to the stars on high, and all the generations gone before you will hear you from the heavens, but help you if you don't try. What have we been waiting for all these hours? What are we complaining for? The remedies out. For I used to come again. We'll stop procrastinating. We can choose just when. We can cross that bridge, and only we can pay the toll. Yes, only I can make an update to my soul. Only I can make an update to my soul. When I listen to the song, I notice some mention of updating something to three one or something like that. I got the sense that maybe you were talking about progressive revelation before you explained earlier that this was really about re-examining what your role in the world is. Yeah, this is really a very personal song, but that's what's wonderful about music is that the listener gets to interpret it themselves. Sometimes I write songs that mean something to me and they mean something totally different to the person that's listening. I'm drawing a parallel in this song between the digital updates that we get constantly sent by our phones and our laptops that don't seem to be very useful <laughs> and sometimes counterproductive to the fact that our souls constantly need to be refreshed. And yes, if you think about it in terms of history and in terms of humanity, then humanity needs a spiritual update. We need this rebirth. So although I'm talking about it on an individual level, I do hope that it resonates with people on a bigger scale as well. All right. So the next piece we're going to feature is Undiscovered Geniuses. So tell us about that one. 
Oh yeah, this is one of my favorites. I wrote this one 10 or 12 years ago, but I still sing it at pretty much every show I do because it really seems to connect with people. It's really a feature of being a musician and any other aspiring or struggling or even moderately successful musician probably knows that everyone always assumes that you want to be famous, that you want to be top in the charts and walk in the red carpet at the Grammy Awards. And to me, that might be a nice goal for some people, but to me, that's a bit of a distraction from the real purpose of art, which is to inspire and to seek truth and to create beauty. And often those things are not particularly popular and don't win you many awards. And it's my belief that each person on the face of the earth is a creative being, has potential to create beauty and to seek truth, and that we should all see ourselves as creators before consumers. We're often taught to see ourselves as consumers because that's supposedly good for the economy. But our true nature is in the image of our creator. So if we're created in the image of a creator, then we must be creators too. And as I travel the world, I notice that often the most gifted and brilliant people are extremely humble and often ignored by most of those around them. So I try to be conscious as I travel and as I meet new people of looking a bit deeper and seeking out the gifts and talents and wisdom that ordinary people have. Because I find that much more interesting than reading about what Celebrity XYZ had for breakfast this morning on Twitter. The song talks about all of these things and it, it seems to connect with people. It's, it's something that everybody has thought to themselves. It's just a, an encouragement to all of us to, to remember that truth. So this is Undiscovered Geniuses. This one's for the undiscovered geniuses Or is it genie I, I never knew Who write and paint and chisel in their bedroom Known forever by the last name Ooh. I know you're out there I know you're in there But common knowledge doesn't know The jewels below You never had a hit song on the airwaves You never broke out from the local scene Paced your walls with famous faces And you prefer the window to the TV screen I know you're out there I know you're in there But common knowledge doesn't know The jewels below I know you're out there I know you're in there Dancing your hopes and fears instead of chasing zeros Beautiful 
don't jump before the cameras The wisest ones might hardly ever speak And every time we send a perfect teacher We miss them Cause we overlook the meek I know you're out there I know you're in there But common knowledge doesn't know The jewels below I know you're out there I know you're in there Harmonizing heart and hand Making stained glass from sand This one's for the folks who know they're precious No more precious than the garbage man I kiss you on your cheek, not on a poster Cause genius wants a lover, not a fan I know you're out Doesn't know the jewels below. I know you're out there, I know you're in there. Harmonizing hearts and hands, making mirrors from sand. I know you're out there, I know you're in there. The cover stories can't uncover the true lover. In the chorus, you have the line, I know you're out there. I know you're in there. Can you yes. tell me what that means? Um, I think it means that I want to be constantly aware of the genius, the potential, the beauty, the wisdom that is out there in every soul that I encounter, that the face of God is in everybody that I meet, and also that it lies within my own self. So to recognize that divine spark, that boundless potential for creativity, for generosity that lies within each of us as an everyday habit rather than just an occasional thing. And now I can understand the line, the cover story can never cover the true lover. Yeah, cover stories can't uncover the true lover. That's the, the closing line. That's right, yeah. Again, as I'm buying my groceries at the supermarket, I'm always confronted with photoshopped faces and tips on how to get my beach body back and all of these vacuous and unimportant things. I try to remember that it's much more valuable and interesting to strike up a conversation with the person next to me or the, the girl that's scanning my groceries than it is to browse these magazines. Because what we're really seeking, each of us, is human connection. Um, and we're not going to find that in those images, but we might find it in the person, the stranger that stood right next to us. Now, the next song we're going to feature is Breathing. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that one. Breathing, <laughs> it's a bit of a ripoff <laughs> of a prayer that I used to hear when I was growing up. The origins of this prayer are unclear, but it's quite popular in Baha'i circles. And I believe the prayer says, O oh God, make me a hollow reed from which the pith of self hath been blown, that I may become a pure channel through which thy love may flow unto others. 
So this idea of the human soul or the human being as a hollow reed that the melodies of God can be played upon if we are sufficiently pure, if the self is cleaned out, then we can vibrate with the music of the Almighty. And this is a really powerful image, and I think you find it in every religion. I wrote it when I was traveling, I think, in China again. It's a song in which I'm struggling for purity. I'm struggling to cut out the noise and the busyness and the resentments that build up, the stuff that accumulates, and reconnect with my spirit. Sometimes traveling helps me to do that. Because when I leave behind the things and the relationships that have accumulated around me, I see what's left. And maybe what's left is who I really am. And I think that's a little bit like a taste of what dying might be like. You find out what you can actually take with you. This song is really a, a secular prayer asking God to help me be pure and to awaken me to my true nature. So this is breathing. Down on Jasper Avenue I looked out for the mountains The city rain had soaked me through Longing for the stars When the words of hatred in my ears A penny whistled in my hand Well, these city limits stopped my tears And all that I can't stand it anymore Get down deeper than my 
Who plays the harmonica in that song? I played it myself. Good harmonica yeah. player. Thanks. <laughs> I only play it on two songs. I should. I, like I it. should uh, practice a bit more. But it's yeah, it's a wonderful instrument to play because it it gives such a lovely tone. It's so airy and imperfect. I think you just suck and blow as long as you choose the harmonica that's in the right key for the song. There's no wrong notes. So that's what I like about it. All right, the next song is Offering Some Service. Yeah, this one's pretty fun. Okay, tell us about it. Well, as I mentioned to you earlier, I spent a little while, a year actually, teaching preschool in China. As I wasn't particularly competent at managing the classroom, they got in a a more qualified teacher and I was promoted (laughs) to being the music teacher. And I spent a lot of my time writing and recording songs for the kids. So I have a couple albums worth of children's songs, some of which I wrote myself. And this one, I think, was written in collaboration with a gentleman called Stephen Sayers in Macau, who's a a dear Baha'i friend and has written many wonderful children's songs. So he wrote this song and I, I tweaked it a little bit and recorded my version of it. It's quite fun. You know, the instrumentation is great fun. With these songs, we were really trying to put Baha'i quotes and ideals into a song that was catchy and memorable for children that were learning the song in a second language. So I think the song that Stephen originally wrote was using a quote from Abdul Baha that said, think ye of all times of offering some service to every member of the human race. I changed it a little bit to put it into more plain English that was would be easier for second language kids to understand, but retaining the meaning of the quote. So this is offering some service. You see your grandma about to wash the floor. You ask her nicely if you can do this chore. She says, oh no dear, there's really no need. She's very happy to see your goodly deed. Always be thinking of offering some service to every member of the human race. Don't be afraid, don't doubt or hesitate, but take your chance before it's too late. You see your teacher about to clean the board. 
You ask him nicely if you can do this chore. He says, oh, thank you, I've so much to do. He's very happy to have some help from you. Always be thinking of offering some service to every member of the human race. Don't be afraid, don't doubt or hesitate, but take your chance before it's too late. Oh, take your chance before it's too late. Now, the the song reminded me of another Baha'i quote that goes, work in the spirit of service is worship. Yes, that's right. And that's a very fundamental and important Baha'i principle that worship, praising God, is not something that just happens while you're kneeling down with your hands together or you're in a holy place, but that our lives are acts of worship if we live them in a spirit of service and if we are seeking to serve our fellow man and seeking the betterment of the world, then every act can be a prayer. All right, so the next selection is Oh My Friend in Word. So tell us about that one. Well, this is probably the most Baha'i <laughs> of the songs that I've selected. This one is a musical adaptation of a verse from The Hidden Words, which I believe was one of Baha'u'llah's very first scriptures. And it's one of the most mystical and poetic, I think. It's a wonderful resource to delve into as a musician because there's so much powerful imagery to draw upon. And each of the verses are quite short. So I chose this one. I was at a Baha'i event in Hong Kong, sitting alone under a tree, reading my book of the hidden words. And this one really grabbed me. When I'm reading the writings, I always look for rhythms and patterns that lend themselves to a song. And this one, just the first two lines jumped out at me as being like poetry and having a cadence to them that lend themselves to a melody. The first two lines are, Oh, my friend in word, hast thou ever heard? Which is a perfect rhyming couplet, which you don't often find <laughs> in the Baha'i writings because they're in a second language. They're, they're translated from the Arabic or the Persian. So that immediately got a melody going in my head. This was one of those songs that came all at once. Sometimes it takes me years to finish a song, but I think this one was done in under an hour, and I, I sang it for the friend's at the gathering that night. So this one's very dear to my heart, and I, f I hope that people find it inspiring. It's quite a mysterious verse. It says, cast out then the stranger that the friend may enter his home. We can interpret that for ourselves, but to me, it's about purifying the heart from the wants and desires and needs of the material world so that our divine instincts, our godly nature can take its proper place in our lives. And I hope that that music conveys the spirit of the words and helps people feel inspired by it. So this is Oh My Friend in Word. Thou ever heard 
So this hidden word of Baha'u'llah appears to identify that there are two aspects of ourselves, the friend and the foe. Mm -hmm. Did you get that as well? Yes. Hast thou ever heard that friend and foe could abide in one heart? Mm. Cast out then the stranger that the friend may enter his home. It's quite Old Testamenty, <laughs> <laughs> which you don't find that often in the Baha'i writings, but the idea of there being a stranger that's taken up residence in our hearts, that is keeping out the friend. This resonates very powerfully with me because I'm constantly surrounded by distractions and temptations, allowing myself to believe that I need things that I really don't need, things that are just of this world, that are just about wealth and power, that don't have a noble purpose. Things that are selfish, that are not oriented towards serving mankind. So it's a constant daily vigilance to try and purify one's intentions and one's habits so that we can really fulfill our spiritual potential and change this world into something beautiful. So the last selection is forgive me. Yes. This is another Baha'i prayer. This is one of the lesser sung prayers. There's hundreds and maybe thousands of Baha'i prayers only a few that you often hear sung, and many have been adapted numerous times to music. So this is one that I've never heard sung before. So it was a, a nice challenge and a nice opportunity to write something without having somebody else's melody in my head already. It's a very powerful prayer. It's a prayer of humbling oneself, begging for forgiveness. I beg thee to forgive me, O my Lord, for every mention but the mention of thee. It seems to be a theme in my work of seeking purification. That's a theme of faith and religion that runs very strongly and very integrally through every faith tradition, that the human heart constantly needs to be purified of ill intentions in order to remember its true purpose. As I sang this song, I sang it with heartache, really, because 
I've made mistakes in my life. I make them every day and there's things that I regret and I want to be forgiven for those things and to do what I was born to do, to serve my fellow man and to seek the truth and to speak the truth. And I try to do that in song. I'll tell you a little bit about how I compose music for a Baha'i prayer. And that is, I want the words to speak for themselves. I don't want to impose my musical ideas on the words of God. So the first thing I do when I'm trying to compose to a prayer is I read the prayer out loud dozens of times and I read it as I'm walking around the room and I try to settle into a rhythm that flows with the words naturally. As I emphasize the key words in the passage and as I breathe at the right places and I pause at the natural points, then the rhythm of the music starts to make itself clear to me. And then I usually mark out on top of the words which syllables are emphasized and which words are dwelt upon or emphasized as well. And I try to reflect that in the melody. I don't want to have a word like of or to having a big high note in the music. I want those key words and concepts to be emphasized by the melodies. I hope that comes through in the melody and that the mood of the piece conveys the profundity and the mysteriousness and the vulnerability of this prayer. So this is Forgive Me. I beg thee to forgive me, O oh my Lord, for every mention but the mention of thee, and for every praise but the praise of thee. And for every delight, but delight in thy nearness. And for every pleasure, but the pleasure of communion with thee. And for every joy, but the joy of thy love and of thy good pleasure. And for all things pertaining unto me, which bear no relation. Unto thee, O thou who art the Lord of lords, he who provideth the means and unlocketh the door. I beg thee. Forgive me, oh my Lord, for every mention but the mention of thee, and for every praise but the praise of thee, and for every delight but delight in thy nearness, and for every pleasure but the pleasure of communion. For every joy, but the joy of thy love and of thy good pleasure, and for all things pertaining unto me, which bear no relationship unto thee, oh, thou who art the Lord of lords, he who 
So, Martin, where can people find your music? Well, I have a website called martinkermusic.com. Most of my music is available to listen to there. You can download it or order a CD. Most of it's available on uh, the big digital platforms as well, like iTunes and Spotify. But if people want to support my music, then buying it directly from the website is great for me. You can also find me on YouTube under Martin Kerr Music and share things with your friends there. I would love to connect with people around the world that are enjoying my music or have requests for me. I try to be very responsive on social media or through emails to my website if anybody wants to reach out and and tell me about how my songs have impacted them or ask me to write something on a particular theme. I'm very receptive to those kinds of messages. Martin, thank you so much for sharing your music with us today. My pleasure. It's been nice chatting with you, Warren. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Martin Kerr, a singer-songwriter, and you can find his music on his website, martinkerrmusic.com. I play a few more songs of Martin's after closing the program. You can find this interview and other interviews at abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. Think that no one will blame us Letting injustice go on as it does But the starving don't care About the price of your haircut Any true kindness will do Because Bono can't change the world Anymore
So don't become dervishes Focus on services The only ticket to peace It makes the gravest of worries Seem the briefest of flurries Sure to be carried away I'm from our shell Cause true freedom is in submission to his commandments and say who needs them but we're all wishing for something more mysterious than them and us His lips have disappeared from acting serious and watching all his numbers rise and fall He walks on by me singing in the subway his ears won't listen to me calling out that true freedom is in submission to his commandments we say who needs them but we're out wishing for something more remarkable than material
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.